0: This weekend, I went car camping in a national forest with a beautiful view of Pikes Peak at the back doors of my van. It was lovely, it was beautiful, it was enjoyable. We made a little fire, and the next morning, woke up, made some coffee, opened the back doors, and just enjoyed life, you know, the way that you should when you live in a van. Instagram classy van life perfection. And me being me, after my coffee, I lay back. I grab my vibrator. I hand Andrew the camera, and decide it's the perfect moment to make some OnlyFans content. My titties are out. My panties are pulled to the side. Andrew looks at me, and he's like, "You are prepared for someone to drive by, right?" Pfft. Okay, I hadn't really seen anybody. We were on our own. We're in a national forest. All is well. All is quiet. All is pristine. Well, two seconds. Two seconds into this video. Cameras are rolling. I, ugh, my clip feels so good. And wouldn't you know, my fucking luck, a truck drives by. (laughs) This motherfucker drove so goddamn slow. I instantly, I heard it, I saw it. I took the vibrator off my clit in like a flash and I start scooting. I'm like inchworming away to try to hide my naked body watching him out like of the corner of my eye drive two fucking miles per hour down this road and I'm just like oh my god right now. This is really happening to me, isn't it? And I just I just breathe. I'm like, okay, okay, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. He's getting a free show. He can't really see anything. All is well. He knows what's going on. He can't see anything. And I'm like, God, can he drive any fucking slower? And this video, this video is OnlyFans bloopers from the gods. <laughs> oh, fuck. I was... Prepared, but I was not prepared. And that right there is my kind of luck. He was finally, finally out of sight, and I get back into it. But now I am into it with the thought of what if that motherfucker is just out there fucking creeping? (laughs) But no, I think we're in the clear. I made a beautiful video. I've posted it on OnlyFans and feels good. It feels good. It was, it's probably the first OnlyFans content that really highlights the whole van life with a view, pussy with a view type thing. And it's going well. It's going well. I think, I think the experience was really made by the fact that I was caught and it definitely, definitely heightened the experience. That's for goddamn sure. (laughs) All right, you guys, this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about emotional attachment and sugar dating. I think that it's a really interesting topic and really want to talk and highlight how I do things, how other people I've seen do things, and just the differences in preparing for dates, preparing for how you want to do sugar dating. So I hope you find this interesting. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know at the end. DM me. Let me know what you think. (gasps) Ellie, what? Oh my God. You talked about sex? Personally, when I sugar date, I do my very, very best to compartmentalize and separate sugar dating and my personal life, my personal emotional relationships, and I do a really good job of it. Now, there is one situation I have to be completely honest about. I did get emotionally attached and emotionally involved in ways I hadn't expected to happen to me, hadn't prepared for, and I had to deal with it a little bit, and I'm talking about David. I'm talking about the one who took me to New York City, who took me to Chicago. I still talk to him. I haven't seen him in over a year now, but we are hoping to plan some adventures in Denver soon. So... Emotional attachments to sugar daddies can happen no matter what kind of preparation you do no matter if you want it to happen or not it can just, it can just pop up. You can't really control feelings. You can't control emotions, but you can deal with them and you can marginalize whether or not it will happen just through some mental preparation and through some discussions with the sugar daddies at first and how you set up your arrangement. So let's talk about that. In general, I would say that this means there are, for this episode's sake, two types of sugar dating. There is the separated, unattached, very arrangement-esque type of arrangement. And then there's the emotionally attached, more traditional type of dating. And we call it all sugar dating because no matter if you're getting emotionally attached and involving and mixing each other's lives more traditionally, or if you're keeping it separate, it is all dating. It falls under those categories and those definitions. But there are two different ways to approach it. So let's talk about compartmentalizing first and staying rather detached and this is how I typically do it this is how I would recommend doing it I think that it sets you up for more success with a sugar date arrangement I think it sets you up for a happier arrangement and less turmoil in the future in general I kind of view getting emotional attached and having more of a traditional arrangement from something like seeking arrangements to be kind of not a good idea and kind of setting yourself up for failure and I just don't think it's a great basis for an actual emotional loving relationship with somebody now it can work it has worked it can be beautiful it can be perfectly fine But you have to find that one in a million person where you're going to be able to mix your lives. You're going to be able to work things out. And the issues that that just naturally come up from that type of foundation, you can work through. Because they're, like I said, that one in a million person. So in general, I would recommend always going into it kind of separating it from a normal relationship you would start with somebody but that's me that's my personal opinion and some people go into it wanting to date those people typically are open and honest about that in their bio or in those first messages which helps a lot and it helps you kind of decide who you want to meet up with who you want to spend your time with and everybody can do their own thing That's the beautiful thing about sugar dating in any way, is that communication, that upfront honesty of what you're looking for. But how do you do that? How do you compartmentalize? My three tips are mentally prepare before dates. So before you go on a date, you know what you're getting into. You know what you're doing. This is separate. This isn't going on a date on Tinder with somebody who you're interested in this is separate this is a very specific kind of exchange and it does take a little bit of mental preparation it does take a little bit of mental come down after the date and it's it's healthy it's healthy to do so that way you don't bring that baggage with you into your normal life and it all starts before the date along with that like i've been saying is after the date Don't bring it into your normal life. Let yourself have some come-down time. Let yourself have some processing time. Let yourself kind of mentally go through the date, go through the enjoyable parts, go through the emotional parts and where you felt attached and appreciate it for what it is and then leave it. And in between dates, lastly, keep the frilly texting, keep the daily texting to a minimum. This is something very interesting to me. Because in my experience, either sugar daddies want that constant communication, and they want that texting relationship like you'd have in a normal relationship, or they literally they don't talk to you. They talk about setting up a date, they talk about things that need to be discussed. You don't really talk too much, just like, hey, how's it going, or good morning, that kind of stuff. You either really get one or the other in my experience. And... I'm always very wary of the people who want that constant texting communication because generally those are the people who are in it for a relationship and in it for that attachment that I don't want. Personally, I want it kept to what it is and I want my personal life to stay my personal life and I don't really want to involve them because that's not what I'm on seeking arrangements for. I'm on seeking arrangements for dates, classy times, good connections the financial side of the exchange. I'm on there for a very specific thing and I don't want that bleeding into my day-to-day normal life. And so you have to kind of talk about that up front. If they start to do that, you'd be like, hey, this isn't really what I'm looking for. I don't need this constant communication with you. Every now and then, checking in, seeing how each other's doing, especially if you're not meeting super regularly, if you just want to keep that arrangement open to the future totally cool i have maybe three on a regular basis for holidays we'll send each other like hey merry christmas hope you're doing well we'll catch up in a couple texts and we'll be done again that's totally cool i'm not talking about being super rude about it or cutting them off in any way i'm just saying maybe maybe cool it on unnecessary daily communication every detail of your life that's not necessary. That is how I compartmentalize. I I view it very much differently than relationships and friendships that I have in my personal life. It's its own thing. It's its own side of me. It's its own world. and I don't bring that with me into daily life, into my other relationships. It's really healthy that way. I would recommend keeping things that way just for mental health and stability and keeping the drama to a minimum. Honestly, it keeps the drama to a minimum immensely. Now the other side, if you do get emotionally attached, if you're interested in an actual relationship with a sugar daddy, if you're dating because you want to legitimately date them, it's a whole different world it's an incredibly different thing than anything I've experienced, anything I've ever wanted to experience. These aren't people I want to get involved with for these reasons, for the reasons I'm about to talk about that hyper complicate the dynamic between you two. First of all, finances in a relationship, especially when there's this big of a gap, create a power dynamic. In this power dynamic, you're the underdog. You're the underdog emotionally and economically in the relationship. So because they are supporting you whatnot whatever the arrangement is that gives them power like it or not that gives them emotional power over you and it gives them economic power in the relationship over you as well it's totally different you're starting off with that understanding that you're looking for financial support and they're not it's something that you're going to have to communicate very very heavily about in your relationship so that way you're getting just as much respect. So just be prepared for that. It's not impossible to work around with enough communication and with the right connection and chemistry and what you need to keep a healthy relationship. It's nothing you can't work through. It's just something definitely to be aware of. And that's something I'm not really interested in, but it can work and it can still be just as valid and beautiful of a relationship. It's just something that... Be prepared for, if that's what you're looking for. Be ready for lifestyle differences. I will never forget just as simple as a comment on mismatched socks and saying how it's not worth the time and the energy to match my socks when I do laundry. And he kind of like was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. And he made a comment of, I just, I don't do my laundry. I haven't thought about it. And something so innocent as that was like a big reminder, right? Like a huge reminder of, oh yeah, okay, he doesn't have to do his own laundry. <laughs> that's that's a difference there in lifestyle. There's going to be all sorts of things, right? But just be prepared for that. And if you're sugar dating, you're obviously very well aware of how to handle yourself. I'm not saying that you can't do it. It's just, it's, there are little things like that are going to pop up, especially early on in the relationship that might be, Interesting, And of course, be ready for judgments, especially if there's a big age difference, if there's a big financial difference. The world's going to judge you. That's not a reason not to do it. Just be prepared for it. I think that it's really important to always be prepared and always be aware that the kind of judgments you'll receive for doing something, no matter how much you want to believe the world is better than that and people are better than that and they're not going to do that to you they will happen. And it's good to be prepared for that kind of stuff. All in all, that's what I have to say about emotional attachments with sugar daddies. I don't think it really needs more. I think that it's something to consider, something to be prepared for, something to be aware. could happen regardless of if you want it to or not. But it is also good if you don't want it to happen to kind of take those precautions. If you do want it to happen, just be aware of those things When I first started sugar dating, part of the reason I'm talking about this in an episode is because when I first started sugar dating, that's not something I thought about at all. I didn't consider the fact that, hey, maybe one of these people I'm going to have amazing chemistry with and I'm going to really, really like and not having them in my life or not a bigger part in my life is actually going to hurt me. It's not something I considered. And when it happened, it was a little it was a little wild to overcome because it's just not something I thought about. And it, I think, will help to think about as you start sugar dating, as you get into sugar dating, to kind of go through that stuff and be like, alright, this can happen. This is how I'm going to deal with it. These are the steps I'm going to take to emotionally prepare for my mental health. That is entirely my opinion. You guys, you can agree to disagree with me on that it's a very opinionated thing I do think it's something to consider and it's healthy to consider as you start sugar dating all right you guys I have been promising this segment since I started season two the segment of kink deep dive and I'm so excited to finally get into it this week with Andrew we're talking about choking we're talking about what it is how to do it safely the benefits maybe why you shouldn't do it etc it's something that I want to talk about because it's so popular today in today's day and age and I don't think people take it nearly as seriously as you should because you can literally kill someone you can literally die from it not that it happens frequently but it is something that should be taken in my opinion a lot more serious than it's taken in (laughs) hookup culture and dating world. Personally, if I'm hooking up with somebody, I'm very cautious if they go to choke me. And if it starts to make me at all uncomfortable, I just totally make them stop because I'm not about that. I can still have a good time and fuck them and then go to Andrew and be like, choke the fucking shit out of me. And we do. Also, I think it's interesting that Choking can be done sexually and it can also be done as an intimacy thing. And I want to talk about that as well. So enjoy this segment of Kink Deep Dive. All right, I said a few minutes ago how there are really f- two forms of choking sexual and intimate. And I think the best distinction we were talking about is one is a kind of form of trust, and the other one is just hot like it's just control and power dynamics, right? So could you tell the people, since I've always been the chokey, not the choker, maybe why they want to know more about it, why you'd want to do it, and how to do it safely?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think the first step in approaching choking with, with any two people is establishing the why. So make sure you guys are communicating and talking about why you want to do it. Make sure you have healthy reasons for those things. For example, my why would be power dynamics, increases intimacy adds some layers of objectification to your interactions kind of plays into that notion of like quote being taken a bit and then it's also really pleasurable for my partner if done well uh, done correctly Uh, but I do want to talk about a bit of the physiology of choking Mm -hmm. itself Um, not only is it like super psychological but it's also very physical because you're not just talking you're actually intervening with body function Mm -hmm. which is a big deal Choking occurs when you have compression of the jugular veins or your carotid arteries. You don't ever want to have crushing or compressing of the trachea or your windpipe. And so the veins or areas you're looking for are located bilaterally on either side of the neck, almost directly under the ears.
0: So that means you want to be like almost squeezing and not pressing, right? Yes,
1: exactly. Pressure on both of these areas are ideal. You have the arteries, which are taking fresh blood up to your brain and then veins which are taking deoxygenated blood back down to your heart so getting both of those kind of like covers both bases almost you got to be aware that if you're actively compressing both of those areas completely they can become unconscious within 20 seconds Hmm. it's super serious because if you are actually choking someone tracheal and arterial strangulation can lead to brain death in three to five minutes so if you're not paying attention or if you lose yourself a bit in as little as two to three minutes you could genuinely hurt or kill someone
0: and this is why it's important to understand what's happening and not just let anybody you hook up with choke you if you're the one being choked because like it's fucking dangerous and i think like hookup culture right now as everybody wants to be choked and they take it so lightheartedly but shit can really go down
1: yeah Absolutely. And then some red flags as someone who is going to be the doing the choking is color change in your partner. So if they start looking blue, ease off. You're choking too much. If they start coughing or wheezing audibly, ease off. It's a red flag. Another red flag is inability to breathe. So they should be able to breathe and communicate with you through the entire process. You shouldn't have to let go of your hands so they can breathe.
0: And for the chokies, I make a point of responding to a partner when they're choking me.
1: Um, And then any sort of sounds, if you feel in your hand or you hear audibly any popping or sliding, the trachea actually moves around really easily. So as you're putting pressure in that area, if you feel any popping, feel any sliding, feel anything like that, Ease off. You shouldn't You shouldn't be feeling any of that. If your partner starts ins- instinctively grabbing at your hands or your hand, that's a red flag because it means psychologically they feel uncomfortable with what's happening. And then what to expect on your side. You want side pressure only. No forward pressure or no down pressure. And super important, be in tune with your partner and their reactions. So be tuned in. This is not the time to check out. It's not the time to start thinking about other shit or get really into it yourself it's the time to observe your partner make sure they're okay and really make sure you're checking in with them some of the benefits of choking are like as the person who chokes increased intimacy power dynamics watching something it's kind of like almost a fog set in on them so it's like a mental haze or a bit of dizziness and you can see them really relax get into it it's very pleasurable for your partner and then it can really bring you together You know, it can increase intimacy. It can take an otherwise vanilla experience and really, really spice it up. Mm -hmm.
0: It's probably the easiest way to spice up a vanilla experience. And that's why people are so attracted to it.
1: Yeah, that's why it's so lucrative. Um, So, yeah, just make sure you're establishing a healthy why, communicating with your partner and doing it correctly. And it can be a really fucking awesome experience.
0: All right. That should do it for choking. Let me know, you guys, if you liked this new segment and we will do more. That is all for this. This episode of Sugar Pussy. You guys, as always, uh, my DMs are open. DM me on at Ellie Sugar Ray. I know that account isn't super active. I'm terrible at social media, you guys. I've got so much going on in my life. But if you want to talk to me specifically, DM me at Ellie Sugar Ray. If you DM Sugar Puss Pod, you will have some amazing communication, but that is my social media manager who is amazing and creative and beautiful and there to talk to you, absolutely, for sure. But if you want to talk to me, DM me at Ellie SugarRay, ask me questions, give me topics for the podcast, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. This is a new change, so if you've been talking to me on at Sugar Puss Pod, don't fear, that was me. This is a very new change, so just make that a little mental switch in your head, and we are good to go. Can't wait to talk to you guys. Can't wait for next week's episode of Sugar Pussy. I'll talk to you guys later.